Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, we lost to Duke in the Sweet 16. How are you feeling today, man? Uh, a lot better than I was right after the loss. I mean, that's for sure. But um, it actually wore off surprisingly quick in comparison to what I expected, uh, mostly because it, it was Duke and it was going to be a challenging game. So I, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. We got a lot going on in Hokie Nation right now, so there's a lot to lot to talk about, but we'll try and get through it quickly and and not harp too much on uh, on things that people are reading every single day. Okay, man, give us the cheers. So a couple of them uh, that I have to do. One uh, is just to um, just Hokie Nation. So one of the things that um, kind of popped up uh, on Twitter was um, a young girl was trying to make it to the Sweet 16, uh, Danny Joe, and uh, we put out a, a fundraiser for her, which Hokies responded to within, it was probably 22 hours it took total to put together the money for her to make the trip um, up to Virginia from North Carolina to go to the Sweet 16 game. She's uh, a part of Buzz's Bunch, which, um, you know, obviously is an, an outreach program for people um, with certain illness or, or disabilities or, or otherwise. So she ended up going to the game, which was awesome. And a huge shout out to um, just the Hokies that donated and just showing what Virginia Tech is is really made of and things that are larger than the game. So, um, you know, a huge thank you, I guess it would be from us to, to those people that donated and, and, and made that possible. Um, it was, uh, it, you know, it's difficult to talk about. They stopped by my house on their way back home. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was bittersweet just to kind of meet her and understand, you know, what's going on in her life. Um, so things that are bigger than, you know, sports and, and more important than a lot of things that we spend a lot of mind share kind of going through on a day-to-day basis. And then also want to do a cheers to the basketball team and the seniors. Um, and not only the seniors, we'll see who else is leaving the program, um, whether it's Nikhil or, or, or whatever. Um, just a really awesome uh, group of guys that pulled this program together and made this run to the sweet 16. So I got to do a cheers probably to, to them as well. So that's all. I'll, I'll wrap it up. Cheers, man. I want to make it clear too, that the GoFundMe for Danny Joe was Robbie's idea. He texted me right after our last podcast ended. That's why it wasn't mentioned in there. And he said, oh, I just saw this. Maybe we should try to, you know, get something together for this girl to go to the game. And he set up the GoFundMe and, you know, it was it was his brainchild. I thought it was a great idea and we ran with it. And the only reason we wanted to bring it up today is to make sure to thank the donors as Robbie already did. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, then thing that we should talk about first is probably the buzz going to Texas A&M, what is still technically a rumor. <laughs> because we thought we'd hear news on Monday. That's kind of what Pete Thamel indicated in his article last week. Um, a lot of sources uh, said that Buzz had told the team that he was leaving last night, I believe it was. But we still have no word that Buzz is leaving Virginia Tech for Texas A&M. The report that there was $3.5 million offer uh, shoved across the table was also out there, which doesn't seem like that much more than what we could offer, but take any kind of dollar amount and 
rumor with a grain of salt. That's that's my thinking, at least. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, I think there is uh, too much uh, smoke at this point for us not to believe that there's a, a, a fire underneath and that buzz is not uh, going to be with the Virginia Tech Hokies any longer. Uh, everybody probably knows this if you've been following, you know, this Buzz spent time at Texas A&M during his, you know, coming up coaching career. He's a, you know, Texas native. This would bring him back home. There's a lot of other reasons surrounding this, uh, this potential move. We'll leave it at that. And it's, um, I think, I think it's probably going to be a done deal unless there's some issue with the contract negotiations is the best that I can understand from all the reports out there. But uh, it's been relatively unanimous that it's happening. The real question is when and how long it's going to take because it's it's been dragging on. And uh, as you mentioned, I think during our, our other podcasts, it's Buzz negotiates his own contracts, which obviously without a you know, a lawyer dedicated to this process is going to drag things out. Yeah, it, it could take a little while. It could also be a done deal by the time we post this podcast. So um, it's likely going to happen if not, uh, you know, just imminent. So be prepared for that. And we're going to get into the coaching candidates that could take Buzz's place a little bit later in the podcast. The next note I had was the Thai outlaw weed charge. That was the charge for possession of marijuana, and it came down last week right before the Duke game. Everyone got very scared he wasn't going to play. And the whole story from start to finish was fishy. Like He was charged when he was in California for the first round game, but it was actually from something before that. But he wasn't at the house when they like the cops went to the house and they smelled marijuana, and then Witt had him take – a piss test, which he passed with flying colors, so he's allowed to play. However, just because you're not using marijuana doesn't mean that you're not possessing it, but whatever. (laughs) He played in the Duke game, and that's kind of all we cared about, to be perfectly honest, because it's weed, and no one cares if you smoke weed for the most part. The whole story was, you know, you and I texted a lot about it. Um, Obviously, we were hoping that he could play, but the whole thing was utterly bizarre is the best I can put it. And even now that a lot of the story has come out, um, whether it be posts from, I believe his mom put out something um, that most people weren't sure if it was really, you know, his, his mom or if it was really the story, except after the fact it lined up almost perfectly with what actually came out of, uh, you know, Buzz's statement about it, which he got approval from outlaw to put out there just by the way, it wasn't like, um, you know, Virginia tech went and did something that he didn't um, he didn't want out in the open. The whole story is, in my mind, insane. And I, I got to be honest, I, I really don't care about you know. And sorry if anybody out there does. I don't care about weed charges on some kid that's in college. I mean, that's if you're it's if, against the rules yeah. and it can get make you ineligible. So for that reason, yeah, you shouldn't do it. Um, but in terms of it being illegal, a lot of people would disagree with that and. The fact of the matter is it came down and then Witt made the power play of the test, which I thought, if nothing else, was just good PR. Yep. And they were going to let him play regardless of whether it came back clean or not, I feel like. But uh, but anyway, he played and even had a chance at the end, and we're going to talk about that. 
Uh, Chris Clark, <laughs> on a related note, also got charged with marijuana possession or usage. I don't even know. I, did he share an apartment with Outlaw? Was that part of this? Uh, yeah, I, 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 be, I believe. I, I guess nobody's really come out. I think everybody just assumed that they were obviously lived in the same apartment together. His charge, I believe, was the day before. So I was trying to piece everything together. I'll have my dates wrong, but I think it came out yeah, that it was like it, the 20th matter, was yeah. his charge was against Clark. And then the next day they charged the outlaw. Yeah. The 21st was uh, outlaw because he obviously shares the, the apartment with him, whatever. I honestly don't care. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad outlaw got to play in the game. Um, For sure. And that's, that's really all that, um, you know, mattered to me. Not that I don't want people obeying the rules of the program, but I just thought what, that would have been heartbreaking if it was something that insane that kept him off the court. It was just too fishy. The whole thing was just strange. Let's get into the game. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the Duke game. I know it's going to hurt everyone's soul just a little bit to rehash it, but it was a great game. It really was. It didn't have the result we wanted, but a two-point loss, 75-73 to Duke in the Sweet 16. We learned right before the game that there was no Cam Reddish. He wasn't warming up or anything. Uh, VT led the whole first half. We came out hot, 7 of 17 from 3. We were up by 4 at halftime. And then after the half, Duke kind of came out with a vengeance, and we went into a hole. Like We didn't make our first eight shots, and Duke tied it up early. And we kind of went shot for shot with them after that until about the 10-minute mark, and they extended the lead. And... There was a lot of sloppy play, a lot of sloppy passes in particular, even from Robinson, um, where you're like, what is he doing? And Duke got the lead up to seven with three minutes left, and it really looked hopeless. But to the Hokies' credit, they battled back as they've done all season. Nikhil hit a big three. We got it to the point we were only down two with the ball, and Robinson got it to outlaw, as I had mentioned, and he threw up a very highly contested shot. And it completely missed everything. We thought it was over then, but it wasn't. We actually got a possession, a stoppage in play, and we got to inbound the ball. And the play was beautiful. That went to Hill right on at the basket, at the hoop. And he just short-armed it just a little. It was so devastating. Yeah, and it was, um, in my in my objective opinion, before I even saw the statement from Buzz, because I actually didn't watch the press conference. I didn't listen to anything. I was just kind of, like most of us may have just kind of went into a hole for a little bit because I was just so astonished at what happened. It was the two looks that you absolutely want. One, you want your you know your best three-point shooter to give you, you a shot, and Outlaw took it, and unfortunately, he missed. And then... Um, part of this is after the fact that I learned that they they drew up this play for Robinson to Hill that was it was honestly gorgeous. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. I mean, it was it, beautiful. Yeah, with with that amount of time left, you really you have to do something very quick. And you know, evidently the scheme was depending on what Zion did, whether he trailed or you know tried to go inside. Uh, Hill's job was either to go up if he was trailing and take the two. Or if Zion tried to cut him underneath, he was going to step back and take the three. And on top of that, um, you know, it, it, it was just it was gorgeous in the sense that Buzz 
and we mentioned this on the podcast, said that, you know, he with the whole speech to Hill when he said, you know, you're shooting on the year and how low it was, but I'll still give you the ball every time if we have one shot left. And he did. And he and in this case, he just short armed it a little bit and um I, was, I think he thought maybe he didn't have as much time as he did because he could have handled it a little bit more. He almost did like a volleyball block to it, like just put his hands up and like was trying to get it to like bounce right off or something because he barely touched it. Um, he really could have grabbed it and thrown it back against the backboard. But, you know, that's he's running and he, his body's fading away from the basket. And, you know, I don't even know the athleticism it would take to even try to make that play. But um, it looked very makeable. And it just came up a little bit short. And and yeah, and and believe me, in no way, I don't think you or I would ever say anything bad about what Hill did on the play. I mean, the pressure that you're underneath in that scenario with one of the largest men <laughs> to play NCAA basketball from a size and strength standpoint, breathing down your back and not knowing how close he is, um, that that pressure has to be immense. And uh, honestly. At the moment, my heart just like went out for him. I was just—I didn't even care about the loss. I was just seeing him on the ground and just seeing him kind of hunched over and just emotional pain. And it, it was—it was rough to watch. More so, even that's pretty the much loss. how I was after the game, <laughs> hunched over and emotional pain. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess the point being is that nobody's out here, you know, throwing rocks. I mean, Hill's done so much for this team. It's—it's—it no. it, was—it um, was heartbreaking for for everybody involved and especially for him. I would say that the recipe to beat Duke was there. Uh, we out-rebounded them. We made more threes. Uh, we took eight more free throws than they did. We took six more field goals than they did. It, we just didn't make as many baskets. Duke was 55% from the field, and we shot 40% from the field. And that's just not good enough uh, when you're playing Duke. Duke had six blocks and six steals. Uh, Zion was freaking everywhere. There was one play I feel like we were passing the ball, and our ball movement at times in this game was absolutely beautiful. We were just moving it from all over the court, and Zion was like following the ball with both arms out and and like was contesting any kind of like shot that was going to be put up. It was unbelievable how quickly he could get across the court. He was the most he was, staggering. He was blocking like four people at a time at one point, and the ball was moving faster than I've ever seen us spread the ball around on the perimeter. It was incredible. It really was. It, the, and the one that was really eye-opening was when J-Rob is basically one-on-one going at the basket. Juke's Zion. Zion is like faked out. It looks like an open lane to the hoop, and he gets back and he blocked it. And I, I just... I could not believe, and it was such a big play because he blocked that ball, and then it gets to Trey Jones, and he makes a three. Yep. And it was like, that was a five-point swing right there. Um, Trey Jones, uh, he came out of nowhere, made five threes. He shoots 26% from three on the year. He made five of seven in this game. Now, that sucks that he overperformed, but R.J. Barrett was 0 for 7. O'Connell, their best three-point shooter, was 0 for 4. So it kind of evened out. Like I know Trey had an excellent game, but those other guys had uncharacteristic games. So they were only 6 of 20 for 3, but it didn't matter because they hit so many two-point shots. Zion had 23. Barrett had 18. Barrett was great in the second half. And Jones had 22. 
And that was pretty much the story. It was those three guys. Those three guys virtually took every shot in the second half. Yeah. Uh, just the three of them. Yeah. And the only thing that I would say, and you probably noticed this as well, there was some commentary on it. And I, I'm not trying to, you know, do play quarterback after the fact or, you know, do do look at things differently and see if it would have been a different outcome, but it looked different in the second half. One, obviously Duke changed things a lot in the way that they were playing, the way they were performing, their energy was obviously, and we just, we had a, in the first half, we were shooting the three pretty well. And then we just gave up on it in the second half. It was um, very, very noticeable how, few three pointers that we were putting up there and it was working so well in the the first half. And maybe that was on purpose. I'll never know. Buzz is obviously an incredible coach. His assistants are incredible and you know, they know what they're doing, but it it looked totally different in the second half, the way that we were approaching the offense. We were just so out of rhythm in most of the second half. We, like I was saying earlier, the passes from Robinson and others, they're just like throwing it into like a sea of arms and it wasn't even close to getting to its desired destination. Um, and Duke, like, I, I don't know if they changed their defense and that's why we weren't shooting as many threes or we just couldn't get an open look. I, I don't really know why exactly, but we were just out of sorts for a good 13, 14 minutes of that second half. And we made we had one run left in us, and I kept like waiting for it. And we made the run, and we had the chance. And the chance really was the outlaw shot to me, because even if Hill makes that shot, overtime against Duke, we've we've got guys with four fouls. It just it probably wouldn't have gone well. We don't know. We'll never know. Uh, but that shot from outlaw was the one like you really want, like our our best shooter shooting a three to win the game, and it just. It wasn't. It wasn't good enough. Yeah, <laughs> let's say that. It just wasn't I, let's, meant let's to be. Let's do some. <laughs> yeah, let's do some positive stuff. Blackshear was a beast. Yeah, eighteen points, eleven boards. Oh, I'm sorry, eleven offensive boards, sixteen total, five assists, two blocks, and eight of eleven from the line. Like he was a monster. Robinson had a nice game, fourteen points, five assists, and uh, two threes. Hill had three threes, and uh, five assists for Nikhil and the one big three. So uh, the guys were going to lose, like you said, and maybe even Blackshear, who's, you know, who knows what his story is going to be if we do have a coaching change. These guys all, you know, for the most part, played good games. You know, they they gave it their all. Uh, there was a lull there in that second half, but, man, they um, they left it all out there, and it just was a little short. And it's a shame because, as we saw against UCF, Duke was beatable. And then just two days later, we saw another super tight game with Duke. And finally, Michigan State was able to take them down. I just wish it could have been us. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, the at the end when we were down seven, I, I was just thinking to myself, this is over. I mean, going against a Duke team like that with Zion, with R.J. Barrett, I, with the talent that they have, you know, it really just shows – it almost, you know, I know the outcome didn't really end the way that we wanted to, but it was exactly what we've seen from this Virginia Tech team time and time again as they've gotten older and more experienced. They just never give up, and um, they didn't again. And, you know, if that outlaw three drops, then the narrative of that game and how immense it was, it's funny. Everybody after the fact wanted to talk about how good the elite eight games were 
and yeah. they ignore the fact that the late Friday night game with Virginia Tech was equally as good. I mean, it came down to you know the last shot, and it got ignored because of a lot of really really good games that got played over the weekend, um, amazing games, and um, it's just it, it was upsetting to not see them get the recognition for almost taking down a team that has immense talent. I mean, people that are going to be in the NBA for a long, long time. The one frustrating thing, well, there's a few frustrating things, but one of the most frustrating things was the little bit of uh, calls going in Zion's favor. For instance, when he clubbed Ahmed Hill across the face and it was a foul on Hill and not on Zion. And also a couple of the blocks could have been called goal tense. I mean, they're like, they almost are like never going to make that call on Zion. Cause it's like, Oh my God, he's a freak. Look how high he can jump. He blocked it. It's like, well, that ball kind of looked like it might've been coming down, but you know, they're not, you just knew they weren't going to make that call yeah. and, and they didn't. So, uh, that was a little frustrating, but he really is a freak. I kept, I kept pointing out to whoever I was watching with that. Like when he was making those ridiculous power dunks, I was like that. That was two points. Mm-hmm. That was only. That was just two points. Keep <laughs> no. keep in mind. Like everyone's going nuts. That was two points. We can do that too with a layup. Yeah, um, it feels so, like it's it, like a sixteen point play. The way that everybody gets excited right. about it, and it's it's just not. But yeah, total credit to, to to him and his his talent, his abilities. Nobody can ever you know question those. And the ref situation. I've heard it compared to like. I guess it was like Charles Barkley and some of the players that have come up in terms of the refs having to learn how to officiate somebody that's just that physical and that dominant and not understanding the Hill one. That was the only time I almost launched my, that was I almost launched yeah. my remote into the TV and, it, and then I wouldn't have to watch us lose at the end, but that he literally got socked in the face. And then it would be one thing if they just, it was a no call, but the fact that it went the other <laughs> yeah. direction then you're like, what the It was hell? unbelievable. Yes. It was unbelievable. It really was. Uh, let's take a quick beer break before we move on to our summary on the season and coaching candidates. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I have a uh, Solace Brewing Company local. I know I've been drinking a lot of it lately, but they've been putting out a ton of stuff. And this one looked good. It's called the Liquid Bling. It's a 6.5% IPA. Um delicious i'll start with the positive it's a delicious ipa i had something happen when i pulled this out of the fridge that i've literally never had happen in my entire life which i'm i'm a little bit um i'm gonna i'm gonna judge here and i don't know if i'm it's nice this the beer i had in the fridge almost all afternoon so it wasn't foamy or anything like that it's one of those four packs with the top on the, the plastic top on top I went to rip it out and the top literally ex- like exploded. Like the like, guess what? Uh, I'm not a big dude, so like you know, my grip stance. This wasn't Hulk Hogan no, ripping the can yeah, out of the fridge. This, <laughs> this isn't like Zion trying to pull a four pack, you know, pull one out of a four pack and the the top literally exploded all over my fridge. I've never seen that happen before. Um, was it too cold? Like, was it frozen or something? No, nothing. So literally, it was just a week, like the seal around it just must have been weak. I'm still drinking the same beer, so I stuck with it. So I didn't I didn't grab a new one, but it exploded. But the beer is very, very good. And uh, I don't want to take anything away from that other than uh, make sure your uh, your quality control over at Solus is uh, a, a little bit better. Nice. I am drinking beach 
by Carton Brewing Company. It's literally just called Beach. It's a 4% alcohol session ale with orange zest. And it tastes just like it sounds. Got a little orangey flavor, very light. Um, a little bit on the bitter side. So I don't know if you'd call it a session IPA. It says session ale, but it's bitter like a session IPA. And this is out of Stratford, Connecticut. So I I guess that's... Uh, I don't know what beaches are in Connecticut. I'm not super familiar. Is that where Cape Cod is? Is that that's, is that Massachusetts? That's Massachusetts. <laughs> but uh, no, there's there's a bunch of there's a lot of good breweries that are there that um, have bled in between uh, like uh, Treehouse. Actually, I think they have a spot in like Canton, Connecticut, as well as in Massachusetts. So there's some good beers coming out of out of there. But I'm not I'm not too familiar oh, wait, with any beaches. Uh, in, in Connecticut, and I lived there for a while, and my cousins all well, get there. this. Okay, so it says, you know how a lot of times breweries will, they'll have a place where the brewery started, but then they'll can it somewhere else or something, or they move their operation somewhere else. So Carton Brewing is actually from Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, but it's brewed and canned at Two Roads in Stratford, Connecticut. Huh. So go figure. I just saw this, the state of Connecticut's on the can, so uh, that's where I went to first, but it's technically a New Jersey brewery brewing company so whatever carton brewing beach is the name of the beer it's pretty good i you know I, i've had it a couple times now from uh from my store and it comes in the pounder can and you know it just goes down easy so i like it so the season in general we don't need to go on about this too long because we've kind of recapped it in our last two podcasts but the 26 wins our highest seed ever our first trip to the sweet 16 in any real sense, and three straight NCAA tournament berths. Uh, a lot of history was made this season. It's a shame that if Buzz leaves, we won't be able to continue that history under him, but that history is ours. It is Virginia Tech's, and it's awesome. We you know, we really had a front row seat to it. We covered the last three years of this team, last four years of this team, really, and uh, to see it grow and get better and get to the point where we're going neck and neck with Duke with one of their most talented teams they've ever had. It's pretty damn impressive. And I, I, from the Syracuse game to the weird NC state game, the Duke win earlier in the year, all the way through the tournament. I mean, just a, just a crazy fun season. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not much else to, to say that beyond that, other than, you know, we're kind of in a rebuild now when no matter, even if buzz, were to stick around so we can just put it that way um we would be in a rebuild session um going on right now with with the team and how senior we were Uh, there was a lot of talk about you know the elite eight teams and now even the final four teams and how experience now is starting to look statistically like it trumps the one and dones. The talent is important, but the experience is even more important. And I think we saw that with Villanova and what they were able to do um, in their championship runs. They had a bunch of seniors on that team, or at least people that had been there, juniors and seniors. And we say we're seeing it again now, even in the, in the final four. So, you know, that is in a, in a, positive way in a weird way it's going to take us a few years to get there but we're probably not going to be getting a ton of one and dones which sets i think virginia tech up for the future and nobody's ever going to shy away from getting elite elite talent right there's been this commentary of 
you know, should Coach K or Coach Cal start changing their methodology of what they're doing and how they're going about getting these one and dones because it's never paying off for a national championship or not always even for a final four for Virginia Tech we're probably going to be keeping guys around for two, three, you know, maybe all four years. So it sets us up, I think, well for the future, assuming, you know, whatever happens, we have a good coach moving forward. And whether that's Buzz or somebody else, some of the other people that we'll talk about here shortly, uh, it's a nice spot for us to be in, I think, in terms of being competitive and trying to continue to make runs to, you know, the 32 or 16, or maybe eventually we make it to an Elite Eight. Yeah, the whole one and done for the top teams, it really evens the playing field across college basketball because the best teams like Duke and Kentucky and even the Arizonas and UCLA's or whatever, they get these one and done guys and they can't coach them up. And in college football, they get three years. Even if Alabama has all these five stars, they still are going to be there for three years guaranteed. And by the third year, all of them are going to be spectacular, most likely, and ready to go to the NFL. That's not the case in college basketball. So for us as a team that's in one of the have-nots, we can compete every three, four years when we are loaded with juniors and seniors. And that's exciting. But the question now is, who is going to be coaching those guys up for us? And we're going to name a few coaching candidates here. However, if we were doing this five years ago, when we were talking about candidates, we probably wouldn't have named Buzz Williams. Like he, he really came out of nowhere for us. None of us expected that to happen. So we'll give you these names, but maybe the candidate will again come out of nowhere. Maybe we know that Witt has been working behind the scenes. That was a report last week that he's been at least putting out feelers for candidates for at least a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks now, who knows how long. So some of the guys I have down, the name I've heard the most is Steve Wojciechowski. He's currently the coach of Marquette. Go figure. They're really going to hate us if we end up taking a second coach from them. They're going to be so mad. And it's just so funny. Imagine, and you and I joked, imagine going back seven years ago and saying, hey, we're going to, and I'm not saying that he's a lock or anything, but if it does happen, we're going to steal two coaches from Marquette. And that was at the, you know, the tail end of, you know, when, when the big East was still, you know, the true big East and you know, Virginia tech is going to go in and steal two coaches. I know we're an ACC school, but it's just so funny. If you think about that narrative, of course it's not funny to Marquette. They're going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it is just a weird circumstance that he is a candidate for this job he was 97 and 69 uh so far at Mar- marquette as we discussed last time buzz has 100 wins at virginia tech and 69 losses so their records are virtually identical 321 321 seasons for wojciechowski and one 19 win season in five years two ncaa tournament berths he's done well there and he's brought in some good talent i'd say very similar level of talent to what buzz has brought in with the one outlier of henry ellinson who was the number nine overall recruit and went to marquette uh back when wojciechowski first got there but everyone else is you know a couple top 50 guys a top 70 guy top 100 guys so that he'd, he'd probably do very well at Virginia Tech. Uh, the next guy I had was Greg Marshall, who is the coach of Wichita State. <clears throat> There's been talk about him in years past. I think he's from Roanoke. Uh, he went to the Final Four in 2013. With Wichita State, he won 35 games in 2014, and he won 30 games 
a total of three times and 29 once. That was all in the Missouri Valley Conference before they moved into the American. But nevertheless, he's a very good coach, and he's done wonders in a place that I can't imagine how difficult it is to recruit to Wichita State. Yeah, I don't necessarily know that uh, that's not exactly your destination wedding or anything along those lines. So uh, it's got to be difficult, but exceptional job. And and getting to that Final Four was... It was mind-blowing. I mean, I don't think anybody really saw that coming and the ability to coach that way. Um, a lot of people have him. I don't know that a lot of people have him on the high probability as much as they have him high on their list of like, yeah, we'd love to get somebody like that into the program. The last two, I guess I'd call main candidates that I have written down are Mick Cronin from Cincinnati and Mike Young from Wofford. Uh, Young... I believe is a Radford guy Cronin with the Cincinnati ties to whip Babcock. That's something that's been talked about for a little while now. And he's also apparently a candidate at UCLA. I was reading earlier today. Cronin's made 11 trips to the dance, one sweet 16, nine straight trips to the dance for Cincinnati. And he won 31 games last year, 28 this year. So he's put up the numbers. I mean, he's, he is a hell of a coach now. There have been the tournament failures, and there's some uh, character issues, questions with Cronin too. So not everyone's too keen on him. I was talking to you right before we came on and kind of said he's the Rich Rodriguez of this coaching search. When when we were looking to a football for a football coach, Rich Rodriguez came up, and people some people were initially like, "Oh, that sounds pretty good." Like he's had a lot of success. And then it was like. No, no, we don't want Rich Rodriguez. And that's kind of what Cronin is. Like, he's a good coach with a good resume, but there's just these other kind of things that hold you back from wanting him as your coach. Yeah, and so, yeah, Cronin is is not exactly, um, he's he's not uh, liked by most people that I've seen, at least from message board posts and things like that. And um, I think there's some things in the past that rub people the wrong way. Um, I can't remember any of the specifics that people reference, but it, it's it's come up and you can search around and you can find it. But um, that would be um, interesting. I mean, I guess my my thought is Witt is very well tied in given his background at Cincinnati. I mean, he's Witt has also seen what a difference can be made in the culture of VT basketball and setting aside VT football for 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 this conversation, I think it would be if there are any issues with character or anything along those lines, the person that I feel most comfortable in making the ultimate decision is not the fan base. It's, it's, it's wit. And he has a lot of ties in there to, to kind of do his due diligence and figure it out on top of the fact that I think he understands how important culture is now seeing and what buzz was able to build. And that was yes on the, on the court, but um, as you and I have talked about throughout the season, I think it's over the five years that he's been here, but even more important, um, or maybe equally as important, I should say, of what he's done through social media and, you know, Buzz's Bunch and just, you know, showing that giving people something tangible to grab onto with this VT basketball and really care about it because, um, I don't. I don't think anybody in the country has really done it as well as as Buzz has over the last five years and making you care about the players and teaching people about what is important in life and off the court and how to succeed and really getting people, um, you know, really invested in in the in the program. So, 
Um, it's it'll be the Mike Young. I think is also you know a really interesting situation. I mean, I think that could be a good fit as, as well. I think overall, yeah. my takeaway. A couple things on Young, real quick. He uh, was the Sporting News National Coach of the Year this year. He's a five-time Southern Conference tournament champion and uh, four-time Southern Conference Coach of the Year. So he's been there a while. He was a Radford assistant before he went to Wofford. He was an assistant at Wofford uh, starting in – if Wikipedia is right, he's been an assistant at Wofford since 1989 to 2002 and then the head coach since 2002 at Wofford. So he's been there a long, long time. So I, I, let me see how old he is. Uh, born 1963. Do the math on that for me, Robbie. Okay. So yeah, he, he's, a, he's, he's a little bit older than, uh, than some of the other candidates. Like, so the last three places was the VCU coach Rhodes, the Seton Hall coach Willard and the UMBC coach. Now that would be funny. Uh, Ryan Odom, uh, our other candidates that have been talked about with regard to Virginia tech. Um, uh, I don't know who it's going to be. It could be one of these seven guys we just named, but uh, it also might not be. The UMBC thing would just be like almost too much, yeah. Because like that's that's the the team that beat UVA, and now the guy is going to be our coach. That would just be real funny. And I think he was like Bennett's assistant too, wasn't he? Yeah, he has some ties to Virginia. That would be um, almost like a trolling move at that point. Yeah, was, yeah. And I know we'd never make a decision on something like that, but it would come off and uh, as almost a, a huge troll job. Well, I guess we should talk about UVA because they played one of the most magnificent games, um, or at least they were a part of one of the most magnificent games in the tournament. And in recent memory, that Purdue-UVA game was spectacular. And Carson Edwards for Purdue was unbelievable. Uh, he had 42 points. He was launching balls from half court. And I, half the time I was like, what are you doing? And the other half of the time they were going in. <laughs> like They were ridiculous. And of course, we're all rooting for Purdue like as hard as we can, unless you have UVA winning your bracket, which if you're a Hokie, you probably don't. Um, I do have them, so I do have they, them going to the championship to win your, you? to win okay. your to, but I have them losing to Michigan State in your bracket, by the way. Yeah, me and Robbie are in a bracket <laughs> together. It's actually... Uh, I'm having my bachelor party this upcoming weekend. And so we did a bachelor party bracket because we knew the games would be the same weekend as the bachelor party. And unfortunately now I've got to watch UVA (laughs) on my bachelor party. Uh, And also I full disclosure, I came in dead last in the pool (laughs) in my, in my own bachelor party bracket. I had the worst score and I'm already done. I had one elite eight team, which was Kentucky. Uh, so yeah, not, not a great weekend last weekend for me. I pretty much lost every matchup in the bracket. And when UVA is down two, and, uh, it just looks like they're dead in the water. The ball is bouncing into the backcourt and somehow, some way they get it to the dude with blonde hair and he makes the shot. It, it was, um, it was on a, it was honestly, it'll go down. As probably, I don't know, probably, you know, if they end up sealing, you know, the deal and winning a national championship, it'll go down as one of probably the top 10 games, you know, of all time uh, in the way that it finished. And it was a freshman that I think that I ended up getting the ball in the backcourt. And as oh, yeah, Kihi Clark, right? Yeah. And the, 
just the intelligence and with the sports intelligence and basketball intelligence to make that pass and controlled pass and, and, and make that happen. It was honestly mind blowing to, to, to watch it. And I know we have to hate, uh, UVA, but it's hard to hate Tony Bennett. I mean, it, it's just, it's really, it's really hard to it hate. It kind him. of is, which is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's just, you know, after, even after seeing him and just the, you know, how, how modest he was in losing to UMBC and congratulating them last year. It made it really hard to hate him. And then this year, um, you know, what he's been able to do with those, those players. I don't like talking up UVA, but it's, you're just not a fan of, of sports. If you can't look at that objectively and say, man, that guy is just, he's just really, really good and um, was able to get them over the hump. And the players for UVA even came out and said, we were really nervous in that first game, you know, when there was, and And it showed. (laughs) Yeah. And, and they were, I mean, you should be, it's, it's, you know, after everybody and their, their brother and their sisters talking about the UMBC loss and whether it's going to happen again and all that kind of stuff. um, He's just, he's a terrific coach and it, you have to be able to say that the same way that anybody at UVA should be able to look at Beamer and and talk about how terrific of a coach you know he was um and I'm not comparing the two I'm just saying that you have to objectively just kind of look at those things and say damn I you know what a great job so is this the worst final four you can remember <laughs> Not for me because I got three out of four teams, which is unbelievable. <laughs> and and the only it's one just, that didn't get was Auburn. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, but yeah, Auburn and Texas Tech both going to the Final Four. Not something you typically hear. UVA hasn't been in it in a long, long time. And Michigan State, of course, they're a powerhouse in terms of basketball. But it's been a little while since I, I feel like they were back. They they've had some early exits themselves in recent years. So you've got Texas Tech and Michigan State. And you got UVA going up against Auburn. UVA is a five-point favorite. Michigan State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Auburn, I you know, it's a shame for them because they lost their best player, essentially, in that Carolina game, which they were slaughtering Carolina. Yep. And you think they're done. they got to go up against another blue blood in Kentucky. And they they just they took it to them. And, I mean, Auburn had lost to Kentucky twice already this year. And they're missing their best player, and it didn't matter. They're so hot right now. I'm hoping they can take down UVA. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. UVA's playing really well too. Uh, I don't really know what to expect in that game. I don't know what to expect in either of these games. So much of the tournament, clearly, since my prognostication was so terrible, has surprised me. So I I don't know what to expect. What are you thinking about uh, these two games and the championship game? Well, what do you think is gonna win it? Uh, I, I mean, I'm hoping it's Michigan State because that's who I have, and uh, I'm I'm not even a Michigan State fan. I just thought that I I thought I'd heard a lot and I hadn't seen a lot about Texas Tech, so that's why I went with them. And honestly, watching them play Michigan, their defense is insane. It's just ridiculous. Granted, I'll also say Michigan played a trash game, so let's let's not all put that all on Texas Tech. Um, I. I I look at the four teams and Auburn doesn't do anything for me. Texas Tech I think is interesting, but it's going to that means it's going to be low scoring more than likely. Michigan State it doesn't really do much for me and then it's UVA. So uh, I get it, but I would rather see those four than seeing 
Duke, Kentucky, you know, I guess it couldn't be UNC because they were the same side, right? It had to be one of those two. But the Blue Bloods get boring after a while. If it was Gonzaga, Duke, Kentucky, that would be pretty. And, and you, that would be pretty thrilling. Yeah, well, it would be it would be thrilling. Except it's just like it. it, it you just get that's like seeing Alabama versus Clemson. Like it, it all comes down to what you're looking for in the games, right? Everybody, yeah, you know, yeah. you hear this narrative from all the sports talk analysts, and they're like, "Yeah, it's so great that we have Alabama and Clemson because they're the they're by far the two best teams." So we're going to watch an amazing football game. Well, guess what? I I don't really care that much because you've you've gone past the point. And it wasn't that amazing of a game. <laughs> yeah, like you you can have the two best teams, but it doesn't always mean you're going to get the best game. And with the way all these teams have been playing. You expect these games to come down to the wire. I mean, the like you you said it earlier. The Elite Eight games were all so good. Uh, maybe the best weekend in the Elite Eight we've ever had in terms of just competitive basketball. So you're hoping that this is the same way. And I, I'm kind of rooting for Texas Tech just because it's it's random and I like their coach. And hey, if we could somehow score him, which I think at one point that was talked about, but then he went and made the Final Four. So like I, I don't <laughs> exactly over. know how that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully the games are good. We're, we'll be together down in Tampa watching the games this weekend, and hopefully we can uh, see Auburn take the victory, and we'll see what happens in the other game, and we'll see if you win the pool. But uh, <laughs> but I, I am excited for the games. It's, you know, obviously some of the wind was taken out of my sails last weekend, and, and uh, I don't have a problem rooting against UVA, so that'll be fun, I guess, until they win. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and the – the Michigan, I think what's nice is that I think a Michigan State team is athletic enough to go up against this Texas Tech team and make it a little bit more exciting. That said, I thought Michigan was a relatively athletic team and they got embarrassed yeah. and they, you know, they had eight points in the first 14 minutes of the game, which is just incredible. So uh, I think it could be two really good matchups. I have a feeling. You know, if I was just going to look at it, I think UVA is going to walk all over Auburn, and I think the Michigan State um, Texas Tech game could be pretty close. Um, but it's going to be relatively low scoring if Texas Tech keeps playing defense the way that they have. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much all the stuff we have for the podcast. Do you have anything else? No, I think um, I think that's it. Just one more. Honestly, a congratulations to to all the the people in the Virginia Tech basketball program and what they've been able to put together. And you know, this may be the last time that we're. Um, it's probably based on the latest stuff that's coming out. The last time that we have Buzz as a head coach. So just a huge thank you to to him. And um, you know, there's no <laughs> there's no um, hard feelings I think from either you or I it's just you know people got to move on with their careers and they got to find places to go he's done a huge huge thing for Virginia Tech basketball I think in the last five years and if you can't look at it and see it that way then I think you're missing the the broader the broader picture and what we uh, have on the table and the candidates that if he does leave we're talking about here I think are all excellent options so i i hope they come in and and do the same thing that buzz did and adopt that same type of culture which really engaged the fan base which has been honestly eye-opening for me not coming in as a basketball fan coming in you know over the past four or five years that you and i have been doing this podcast getting more engrossed into the program 
a huge portion of that is just due to to Buzz and the players and what he brought out of them. And what Buzz accomplished makes the sell job for Wit on getting a good candidate much easier. I mean, Wit had to sell Buzz on the dream of building something from nothing. Now it's been shown you can do it. It's been shown you can do it twice, really, because Greenberg pretty much built it from nothing, and Buzz did it much more recently. So you're not starting from ground zero. So hopefully that will give us even a better edge in finding a good head coach if there was any doubt that Wit wouldn't. Uh, we will come back later in the month with some spring football stuff. I, I, at least that's the plan. The spring game is in a couple weeks, and we'll see if there's any more information for us to quote-unquote report on, uh, talk about who's emerging, what the two deep is looking like for next year, all that. So maybe later in April we'll be bringing that to you. Uh, but thank you for listening throughout football season, throughout basketball season now, and now we're heading into the real off season and we will have podcasts. There will be, uh, we'll do our team previews over the summer. We'll have guests on everything else, but, uh, thank you again for listening through football and basketball season. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Instagram is also 2DVT. 2DVT.com is the website. And 2dvt at gmail.com is our email address where you can send us any comments or questions. For the people that donated and gave us an address, we will be sending out the koozies likely next week. Uh, we're both a little busy this week, uh, but we will be getting those out to you. Again, we, we thank you a lot, so we definitely want to send those out. And if you haven't sent us your address and you want a koozie and you donated, please send us your address to the, to the email or hit us on Twitter, either way. Um, and that's it. So until next time, go Hokies. <laughs>